We are back for another week. Uh, your phone calls, as always, and uh, Lior at employmenthour.com. Welcome to our listeners here at 640 and AM 900 CHML. In, uh, in Hamilton, going to do a lot of stuff today. I think, oh, God, here we go again. I just looked at my notes. Pop quiz for John. Really? Pop quiz time, Johnny. Uh, first, let's do the week that was. I'm trying to delay as long as possible. <laughs> let's talk all about right? that for half hour. <laughs> That's right. Well, first of all, welcome, everyone. And let's talk about the week that was. I like to always start off by talking about a few things that I've dealt with uh, in the week uh, that just ended uh, to give you a sense of some of the uh, issues that I come, ac- come across my table, because you may be dealing with these as well. So, John, the first thing I'll talk to you about, again, has to do with the distinction between independent contractors and employees. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about this again and again and again. The issue here, of course, being that a lot of people are considered or classified or or believe that they are independent contractors, where really in the eyes of the law, they are employees. Remember, the law doesn't care what you call yourself or what someone else calls you. The law looks at the reality on the ground. And if you look like an employee and act like an employee, then you're an employee. Mm -hmm. So this situation, this mischaracterization is very common with truck drivers. Uh, many of them work exclusively for one trunk con- trucking company for a long time, but they're still considered or believe that they are independent contractors. Why is that? Because they're out on the road, do they, they, they're yeah. under their own time, yeah, they're setting and, their and own schedule? Notionally, that's the idea. And yeah. historically, that's just the way it's always been. So really, in that industry, just that's the way the industry works. But the law doesn't do that, and the law doesn't say that that's, that's true. And, and I came across probably this week with one of the more blatant cases of someone being called an independent contractor when he's really an employee as relates to, to truck driver. So, so this individual had worked for the trucking company for some 25 years, exclusively for that one trucking company. He earned all his income from that trucking company. And here's the clincher. He didn't even own his own truck. A lot of the drivers have, have their own truck. This guy didn't. He only drove the company's vehicles. Yeah, so he's an employee. He's an employee. <laughs> he's an employee if there ever was one. Well, except the employer, the company didn't think so. And when he was let go, he got no notice, no severance. Yeah. Well, the company said, we don't owe you anything because you're not an employee. Well, you know that's wrong, John. He is an employee, uh, despite the fact that for all these years they called him or considered him or believed that he was an independent contractor. So this person, after 25 years, I believe he's in his 50s, he's going to be entitled to significant compensation, significant severance. It could be as much as two years' pay. So from getting nothing, you're not an employee, to getting two years' pay because he is an employee, wow. it's very significant. And I'm telling you right now, there's probably truck drivers hearing us right now on the radio as they're driving, and they're saying, wait a second, is that me? Is that me? Because my company's not considering me to be an employee. I can tell you without knowing your specific situation, if you're listening to me right now, yeah, you're probably an employee. And if you ever lose your job, it's very important that you pursue your entitlements because the law says you should have severance. Okay. So very important, uh, and, and a lot of people uh, always get that wrong. The second situation I'm going to talk about uh, had to do with, it, uh, with an individual that was let go from his company for cause. What happened here is that he and a few coworkers had gone to watch a baseball game at a bar after work uh, just recently. So they had a few drinks, some testosterone was going on, and he and another guy, another coworkers, got, got into a physical alt- altercation. They got into a fight. Uh, no injuries, nothing bad, just you know, irresponsible, probably a conduct that, that we don't encourage, of course. Just well, a little bit of a dust-up. Yeah, you, yep. you, something tells me you've probably been in one or two no, of those. Never, never. No, no. Well, uh, fast forward to the next day. Uh, he and the co-worker show up at work, uh, and the employer found out from the other employees, and they both got let go for cause. Well, the question then becomes, this is conduct that's obviously not, a, not good conduct, but is it cause? Well, it's not. 
And why is it not cause? Because this is not a workplace incident. Mm-hmm. These guys were off at a bar on their own time. This had no uh, connection to the workplace. And there was really no reason for the employer to think that this would somehow spill into the workplace. For sure. So uh, these guys you know, had a couple more drinks that they had to, uh, than they should have. They got into a fight and it was over. It wasn't a workplace incident. They didn't get into a fight in, at work. They didn't endanger anyone else at work. So that was not cause. Remember, John, always cause is always uh, very difficult to establish. And, and in this case, this person, there was no cause, and he'd be looking at getting at least six months severance. So remember, if conduct happens outside a workplace and it's not really tied or connected to the work, then it's not going to be cause. And if you are let go for cause, that's wrong. That's a wrongful dismissal. We'll take our first break. Phone calls coming through. John, hang on. We'll get to you. And a reminder, Lior's number, 416-216-5900. The Employment Hour just underway on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. You can also drop Lior an email, L-I-O-R, Lior at employmenthour.com. We love our phone callers. And we got to Ed in Hamilton. Hello, Ed. How are you? I'm very good, uh... Uh, I phoned last week. Uh, I've been on uh, disability since 2009. Mm-hmm. The last uh, year that I worked, I worked uh, nine months of that year. And I asked Lior if I was entitled to uh, vacation pay. And Lior said I was. But I, I recently found out, even though I receive all my company benefits, that I'm on the books as retired. Does that change? Uh, his uh, decision? No, uh, it, it doesn't change uh, anything from that perspective. And now, in terms of vacation, again, you, you're entitled to any vacation that was accrued to you up until your last day there. You're not entitled to vacation pay uh, the, that earned it's earned since 2009. Uh, what is interesting, though, in terms of retired, is if you are able to, c- to come back to work at some point, if they're now saying, well, you're retired, that's wrong. They may, in fact, owe you severance. So, so that's what's important. But as it relates to vacation pay, Ed, it doesn't change the analysis. Well, I, I get uh, I get disability uh, uh, payments from the company, uh, the insurance company that I paid premiums into. Yes. Uh, and I was never able to return to work because of uh, two knee replacements and uh, pinched nerves in the back. Mm-hmm. So you, you can stay on disability till the age of 65. Uh, that's what most insurance policies would be. And if you cannot go back to work, at some point the company may say, okay, we're going to formally end ties with you, and they may owe you severance when that happens. Uh, but until that happens, you simply, you simply continue on your, uh, uh, on your disability. Got uh, John in Brampton. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you today? Good, Bob. What's up? So I just have a quick question. It's not regarding myself, but uh, a friend's mother um, essentially, she believes she's going to be getting uh, terminated. She hasn't yet, but there's a little twist, and we're wondering if it affects anything uh, with the employer, which is he used to be her landlord, and then recently he just uh, sold the house and he gave her a reason, but uh, she ended up finding out the reason was actually a lie, which prompted her to believe that he sold the house because he knows he's going to fire her and she won't be able to pay rent. If that's actually what happens, could that, um, could that affect anything in the severance? for added cause of stress or any of that nature, or is it something completely different? Uh, it is something completely uh, different, John, and thank you for calling and for the question. Ultimately, he can let her go if that's what he decides. Remember, John, as we say here, he's going to have to pay her compensation and severance, and depending on her age and how long she worked in her position, that could be very significant. 
Uh, he does not have to tell her in advance. Uh, he, he can do that when he wants to. And unless, uh, unless he acts in bad faith, for example, by uh, you know, making this public or, or humiliating her when he lets her go somehow, like uh, something like that, then mm-hmm. really this becomes an issue of severance. Now, what I, what I say is this, if, if and when that happens, she, if he gives her some paperwork, she's not to sign anything, she's not to agree to anything, uh, even if there's some pressure being applied to her, what she needs to do, take whatever paperwork uh, she gets, give me a call, I can go over it with her and make sure that, that she's, in, she's protected and she gets what she's owed. Uh, but in terms of preemptively doing, really there isn't. She has to continue doing her job in the best way that she can because what she does not want to do, she does not want to say, well, I'm going to be let go, so I'm just not going to do my job because that may give the employer a reason to let her go for cause and avoid paying her severance. So business as usual until that happens. Perfect. Thank you so very much. Sure, John. That number again, 416-216-5900. We'll get to uh, Mark in Coburg. Hi, Mark. My wife is working for a large employer and she's working, she's fine. But the, the last few years uh, and recently there have been people let go. And there's one in particular recently who'd worked there for 25 years. Um, and she was told, okay, here's your severance. We're paying you, you know, every two weeks up to whatever. And it was, a, it was an extended one, but if you get another job, it's cut off. Is that correct? So thank you, uh, Mark, for the question. So, Ultimately, that comes down to what the agreement is with the company. Severance is is based on an agreement that's going to be ultimately signed. And if that agreement says, we're going to pay you over time, but if you find another job, we cut you off, or maybe we'll give you half of what's outstanding, then that's what happens. Uh, It's not illegal if that's what the parties have agreed to. Now, there's nothing wrong with an arrangement like that as long as the period of time uh, for which the employee is otherwise going to get paid is reasonable. The reason why it's not illegal is severance is there to protect the employee, to help the employee while they don't have another job, while they don't have other income. So what flows from that is if the employee is able to get another job to replace their income, that may mean that their former employer can pay them less. But ultimately, what I see in many of these cases, the employer may say, okay, I'm going to pay you for, I don't know, 10 months. And if you find another job, I'm going to cut you off, where really they should have been paying the employee for 20 months. Mm-hmm. So, so really the question comes down to whether the offer is fair. And the last thing I'll say is just because an employer is offering severance on the basis of continuance with the cutoff if you find another job does not mean that's not negotiable. In the vast majority of cases, that is negotiable, and okay. that's a term that can be eliminated. But once you sign off on the paper, there's no going back. Okay, thank you. Makes sense. Appreciate it. we got time for uh, one more. I think we got time for one more. we got uh, James in Toronto. Hi, James. Hi guys, it's James. I called Leora a couple of weeks, you guys a couple of weeks ago. Leora, this was the case with the former uh, teacher that accused um, of being offered twenty five dollars an hour and was offered oh, yes. on a contract. And she, you know, said you'll hear from my lawyer and it's constructive dismissal. Right. Just to give a follow up, there was nothing for two weeks, and then there's been two letters yesterday and Thursday from her, just email saying. Um, uh, you know, she's going to take this case to court, um, that she's not claiming constructive dismissal anymore. She's now saying that she was lied to for the dollar an hour extra that she was promised. And if, if, if the, um, you know, if, uh, my, my wife, um, lies under oath, she'll be, you know, liable for this, liable that. But what's interesting is she said twice in two different letters, emails only, um, send the address of your lawyer so we can properly contact him directly. 
The second one came again Friday, urgently demanding that. And the thing is, it's all coming from her two weeks later. So what I suspect is she's gone to somebody or several lawyers and no one will bother with her because you would have heard from a lawyer by now she had a decent case. Is this correct? Absolutely. And that you, you took the words out of my mouth, uh, James. If, if she was represented by a lawyer, she would be hearing from her lawyer. And the only reason she's not represented by a lawyer, well, there's two reasons, potentially. Either she hasn't seen a lawyer or she's seen a lawyer and the lawyer says, sorry, can't help you because you don't have a case uh, or, or because I don't believe you. So, no, she's not been contacted. Uh, she hasn't uh, been retained or she hasn't retained a lawyer. So that's that tells you something. That said, uh, I, I can tell by listening to you and probably, uh, you know, you, this is a stressful situation. I think the best thing that can happen here is to get her off your back, frankly, because, you know, she doesn't have a case based on the information that you've given me, uh, you know, today and, la- and last time. So, uh, you know, if she wants the address of your lawyer, guess what? Give her my address. Give her my number. Let's you and I talk. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get her off your back, okay, and, and, and be done with this because it, it's silly to play these games. You have better things to do. You have a school to run. So let's just get 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 this dealt with and uh and not not shy away from it yeah i i think i think you're i think the idea is to call her bluff because i just think she probably has tried to find somebody it like two weeks there was nothing and she did say you'll hear from my lawyer well to be writing personal letters and mm-hmm. she's actually trying to quote law in her own letters about uh, lying under oath and all this kind of stuff and it's like if she had a case a lawyer would have grabbed it absolutely there, case, there would be a chance to Represent somebody correctly. This, this. I yeah, no, no. She, she, she doesn't have a lawyer. I mean, that, no. there's no question about that, James. But, but you still have to deal with it. Uh, and, and you know, one thing I, I can do is make her understand that uh, what, that if she commences a frivolous claim against you, there's significant repercussions for that. So she's not going to do that once she knows what those repercussions are. And I can help you uh, convey that message to her. Four one six two one six fifty nine hundred, James. That is Lior's number. Give him a call, and we'll take a short break here. Lots more coming up. The Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. Give us a call if you have severance employment questions, you've been let go, you're fearing of being let go, maybe you've got a package in front of you and it looks like it's inadequate. Chances are it probably is. Give us a call here or you can email Lior at employmenthour.com. We can answer your questions that way as well. Let's talk about terminationquestions.com because this is where you get a lot of your questions that we bring on the show, yeah? Yeah, a lot of the questions. Now, but guess what? If uh, if you don't get your question in on the radio, you're, you're, you're bashful, you don't want to get on, on live, you can call me, you can contact me, and one of the ways you can do that is through terminationquestions.com. We launched that, I guess, about a month ago or so, uh, and it's a, it's a website that allows you to, to post a question, to ask me a question anonymously, and I will reply back right on there on the website, usually within minutes. I'm, I'm pretty diligent. Uh, and answer your question for you. So maybe you don't know what, uh, what what to do in your situation. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you, you're concerned about your job being lost, or you want to know what would happen if. Uh, well, guess what? Terminationquestions.com, very easy way. You don't have to worry about it. You can do that on your phone if you want. You can do that from your computer. Uh, it's very easy. And people have been asking me questions there every single day, and, and every week actually gets more and more because people understand. Well, it's, it's a, just a neat tool. It's very easy. It's very comfortable. Uh, and, you know, you don't have to uh, worry about giving information you don't want to give. So terminationquestions.com. You can go on right now, ask me questions. I will answer them. You can uh, ask follow-ups. And obviously, there's no charge. It's really a service to, to allow you to ask those questions because, as I said, I'm only here on in the radio once mm-hmm. a week. And this, point, uh, and this point onward, I mean, chances are you're going to go there and 
possibly your question might have already been asked with yeah, answers, right? Absolutely. The answers and the questions are posted there. You can search through them. Through them. So let's say you're concerned about a temporary layoff. Well, search temporary layoff and you'll see the questions and answer. They're probably there. So it's just a very neat tool. Again, if we're going to try to inform people to give them the information that they need uh, when they work, uh, that's a great tool to have. And I'm very proud of it. And I'm very happy that people have been using it quite a bit over the past month since we've launched it. Jim and Kitchener. Hi, Jim. Uh, good day, sir. Um, I have a question. Um, currently, I'm a sales rep on the road, and the company is uh, supposed to go through a changes uh, next year. And uh, the rumor is that uh, they'll be moving me into a position that I'm not comfortable in. It's completely different than what I'm doing. So I just want to know, would, they, would I have a right to say no, or what would be implications? Uh, give me a sense, Jim. How would the position be different, just briefly? Well, I'm, right now I'm a sales rep, uh, so I have accounts. I'm on the road, and this would uh, basically the change would be a desk job, and it would be more about reports and okay. things like that, which wouldn't involve sales. And would it co- uh, come with a change in compensation, you expect? Uh, probably not, no. Okay. So, uh, f- so let me say this. A company does not have the right to unilaterally make significant changes to the terms of employment. So what that means is that if the company is to make a, such a change, to impose a change like that on you, you have an option. Option one, number one is to accept it and, and take it, and that's that. And that becomes now the terms of your employment. Or you can say, no, I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to uh, reject that change and treat that as a termination. Effectively, it's as if the company let you go, and they have to then pay you severance. Now, uh, if... Given the change that you were talking about, if it also came with the change in compensation, that would be a no-brainer. Clearly, that would be what we call a constructive dismissal. Without a change in compensation, I, I would certainly say that because the, the, the job is very different, going from being a salesperson on the road to someone that's pushing paper around a desk, that's such a significant change that, yeah, I, I can see why that's not something that would be acceptable to you. It's a huge departure from where you are now to where you would be in that position. So, yeah, I would consider that to be absolutely a constructive dismissal. And then we would look at your age, length of employment, and the type of job to determine how much severance. What I will say, though, as a final word, Jim, is if that happens, okay, please, please do not quit. Do not resign before you and I get to speak. I don't want you to say, well, wait a second, Lior told me six months ago that this is a constructive dismissal, so I'm out of here. We need to still talk. I still want to review the contract of employment that you may have signed when you started there. Uh, But generally speaking, that is a constructive dismissal, which means you don't have to accept and you can get your severance. Because if you look at it the other way around, it would definitely be one from a desk job. Now we're throwing you out on the road doing sales. Yeah, it's it's a huge difference. And I can see, you know, I'm a sales guy. That's what I do. I don't want to sit around the desk. That's not a job I would ever be looking for. It's not what I got hired for. Well, exactly. So why should I accept that? No, and you don't have to accept that. But again, if your contract, for example, says we're hiring you as a salesperson, but we can change your job if we want to, well, then at that, at that point, it's not a constructive dismissal. That's why I would want to see Jim's a contract of employment if he assigned one at some point. Short break. More coming up. B-O-R-L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Lior at employmenthour.com. If you want to ask some questions, maybe he'll put you through the test. I don't like this part of the show. I just don't like it. Why do we have to do this every six months? Well, you Why? know, John, I want to make sure that uh, you're paying attention, number one. And number two, you know, if, if, if you don't know the answer, then some of the people at home may not know the answer. 
And if you do know the answers, maybe I'm not needed on the air anymore. Maybe I've accomplished my goal. Everyone knows everything. You're so. not getting Sunday off. Forget no, about I, it. No, uh, I know you just bought a boat and all that stuff. And you know you want to go out and sail. Forget it. You're here. Okay. So go ahead. Ask me some questions. Well, there you go. So, you know, we'll do pop quiz. Uh, so let me ask John here. Uh, John will pretend to be the employment lawyer for, for once. And we'll ask him some very simple questions. And if you don't know the answer, don't worry. After John gives you the wrong one, I'll, I'll give you the right one. So, John, we always talk about age, length of employment, and position. Mm -hmm. But what are two other factors that are considered in determining how much severance someone should get? Age, length of employment, and position. So I want two more. I don't know. There's only, there's only, we've never discussed anything other than age, length wow. of employment. Okay, give me, give okay, me a hint. Okay, 640. I need another co-host here, please. Someone that actually <laughs> no pays kidding. attention. <laughs> Absolutely. What, what, what is this? Yeah, we never talk, talk about anything else. Well, no, there are other factors. So one of the factors is whether you recruited away from another job. Oh, yes. Inducement, John. You, I know you know that. So if you're recruited away from another job, you may actually be entitled to additional severance because you left a secure job. So that's one. Another factor Maybe the availability of other jobs. So if you work in a, a particular industry where there's just not a lot of jobs in that industry, it's a very niche or a small industry, you may be entitled to much more severance than someone that works for in an industry where there's a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, another factor may be if you have a medical condition. So if you're not well uh, and, and uh, you're let go, what, it's assumed that it's going to take you longer to find another job because you have a, a problem, you're a medical condition, you're not able to necessarily look for work, that's going to increase the amount of severance. Finally, another factor is if you're pregnant. So if you're let go, if you're pregnant, assuming it's a legitimate termination and not a human rights matter, well, guess what? You're probably not going to be able to get a job while you're pregnant realistically. So that means that the employer has to pay you more severance because they let you go at a time when you're not really employable. So because of that, uh, there's other factors. The main ones, of course, being age, length of employment, and position. But there are other factors to, to consider when we assess how much severance someone gets. John. Yeah, just keeping notes up. It was actually four other questions, not two. But so I, gave, I right. gave you four, and I only wanted two from you, and okay. I still couldn't even get that. So uh, you, you ready for another one, Johnny? Yeah, sure. So let me ask you this. Does someone get any severance if they're let go while on probation? Depends on the terms of the employment contract. Good. Okay. Boom, that, that's exactly Thank right. You. That's, that's, that's exactly right. So the general rule is, yes, you always get severance. Even in, the, say, the first few months of employment, you're still entitled to severance, even though you may be considered on probation. The only time you don't get severance, as John was just saying, is if you signed a contract of employment that explicitly says that during the probationary period, the employer can let you go without severance. So that's not assumed. It has to be in writing, in the contract. Otherwise, you still get severance. And we'll take a short break from the pain. Marlon is here. Hi, Marlon. How are you? Oh, well, I'm not bad. I had a similar uh, question in, in regards to what you were saying earlier. Yes. I work for a manufacturing company that produces auto parts. Yes. But in order to get employed in that company, you have to uh, work through an agent for a year. And after that year, the company hires you. But they typically, they hire you, they hire you a six-month contract, and they extend the contract over full-time. Yes. So what they did with me is I was working through the agency. I got hired through the company for six months. Then they extended our contract for another six months. But my sixth uh, year, con no, it's up to a year. But the problem is it's near expiring that one year. But after that year, they're supposed to hire you. But what you're doing now is they're replacing you with agency worker instead of giving you a full-time position. They let you go. I understand. So the, the question really becomes, 
well, there's two questions. Number one is yeah. what the when the contract was renewed. First of all, did you sign a new agreement after the first six months? Yes, based on at some point there will be a full time employment for permanency permanency with the company. But what I found out when I asked my supervisor because my contract expires uh, at the end of this month, uh, I w- we're they're not hiring right now. Okay. Well, I was supposed to be hired back in June. They came, supervisor came to me and told me, oh, yes, you're you're gonna be permanent." But then they retracted that and saying, uh, no, sorry, we, we're okay. slowing down. Well, that's yeah. very important because if they tell you effectively you're going to be hired and then they retract that, then that takes the temporary nature of your employment out of the equation. In the eyes of the law, once you're promised that you're going to be hired back, that makes you a regular employee. So right. if they now terminate your employment, they don't renew it, then it's as if they just terminated. So you're owed severance, even though, technically speaking, the contract is expired because they, right. they effectively got rid of that expiration. They made it irrelevant by promising you that you're going to be hired back. Mm-hmm. If you can yeah. establish that, you may be entitled to severance. And let me tell you something else. Yes. The year that you spent with the agency is going yes. to count towards that severance. So it's not just the six months or so that you worked with the actual company directly, the, the, the year that you worked with the agency. So if your position ends today, you're a year and a half employee, and depending on your position and your age, you, you're going to yes. be entitled to several months of severance. So my advice to you, if in fact they don't renew, once you know that for a fact, Call me. Call me off air, and I'll be able to help you get the severance that you're owed. Marlon, that number? Sorry, Marlon. One more question, please? Yep, quickly. I'm sorry. So uh, technically, yes, I started in in 2012, so that would have been now two years. Right. And they gave me one-year contract. Uh, Well, they gave me six months, and they extended that six months to a year. So the one year would have been expiring this October, this end of this October. Mm -hmm. So the question I'm asking is, they promised me in the uh, end of June, yes. early July, that supervisor came to me and said, I am on a list of maybe 20, 15 people that's going to be hired full-time. And then in Ju- end of July, they told me, well, we're not going to hire. So basically, if your contract expires, we're going to terminate you. Yes. So basically, basically, yeah. So, so what they've done then effectively is they created a permanent relationship by telling you, that they, uh, they're they going to hire, and now they're terminating employment. So, yes, you're owed severance, and it, it goes back, the severance, to the time you were hired first through the agency in 2012. So if you're a two-year employee, again, a few months severance is what you're going to be owed. 416-216-5900. That's the number you need to know, Marlon. 416-216-5900. That's Lior's direct number. Hang on, we got your calls coming through. Employment Hour continues. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Yeah, if we get enough phone calls, I don't have to finish the rest of my test. So uh, please call through and uh, and ask some questions. You know, doesn't matter what it is, preferably employment law. Uh, Michael in Toronto. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, my question is about interviewing for a job. Uh, I recently applied to the WSIB, and they have quite a, a intensive uh, screening process. You do a telephone interview, then a work sample, then you, you have to write an essay, and then you do an, an in-person interview. Now, I'm... I'm, I feel I'm like pretty much overqualified for this job, and I was turned down for the job, but I'm a little bit suspicious because I've had a WSIB claim years ago, and I'm wondering if they involve, if they incorporate that into their screening process. And my question is, is there any way to like, or what are the hurdles as far as advancing a claim for discrimination based on uh, a failed interview? Uh, first of all, I mean, if you can establish that you did not get a job because of what we call a prohibited grant, and I'm not actually convinced that the fact that they may have looked at 
that uh, you, you once filed a WSIB complaint uh, or application that that's a prohibited ground. I mean, maybe if it's, you say, well, I was disabled then, there was a medical condition, that's why you're not hiring me now. Okay, if we can get past that hurdle, uh, you'd still have to establish that that's a consideration. And it's going to be very difficult to do. Ultimately, it's going to be up to you to prove that, uh, that you didn't uh, get the job because of that or that that formed part of the decision-making. Now, if, if that can be established, and they would have to, if you filed a human rights complaint, they'd have to produce all relevant documents, and if there's something there that shows that you were, in fact, not hired because of, uh, because of that, then you may have a case. Uh, I suspect it's going to be very difficult. I actually, my firm, we, we successfully represented someone that didn't get a job because of age discrimination. That was about a year ago. I actually made it a, a ran through the papers a bit. Uh, but in that case, there were some emails that made it very clear that the company was not going to hire this person because of his age. Uh, if you can prove it, you may have a case. I suspect, Michael, it's going to be very tough. It's going to be tough to do those, right? Yeah, it's going to be very tough yeah. to, to prove. Paul in Brampton. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you doing, guys? Good. Uh, I worked for a company for 48 years. Wow. And, and they decided to downsize uh, in Canada, and I was one of the downsizers. I went to a lawyer and I got a, a pay what I considered a fair severance. Yep. And the company doesn't hire back anybody that they have let go. But two years after the uh, the company pulled out of Canada and gave it to an agency, and this allowed the agency to hire me back doing similar things that I did before. Yes. And they hired me back as a consultant. So not as an employee, but as a consultant. That's right. But actually acting like an employee. I understand, yeah. Uh, Because they, uh, you know, they uh, they, uh, encouraged me to uh, start a little business, which I did, and eventually to... uh, key in my computer into theirs and uh, actually work from home. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I worked for them for uh, about eight to nine years, and uh, then all of a sudden uh, they just stopped paying me in January of 2011. Okay. Uh, so I'll make it simple, Paul. Unfortunately, they did not have the right to stop paying you the severance that you agreed when they let you go. Uh, unless, of course, the agreement explicitly said that if you start earning other income, they can cut you off. If it doesn't say no, that... We had no agreement. Ah. No written agreement. Well, that's that's unfortunate. I mean, that, that's almost irresponsible on behalf of your lawyer, not after 48 years, not to get you a written agreement. Uh, what, what I will say is this. Uh, you may have been entitled to other compensation. Unfortunately, given the fact that they stopped paying you in 2011, you're out of time. To do anything about it, there's, there would be a two-year limitation period, so it would have expired at some point in 2013. Uh, I mean, this is something you may actually want to consider addressing with your form or as against your former lawyer, because after 48 years, man, you should be getting uh, a written yeah, severance was, agreement. But there was two years in between them letting me go and the other ones hiring me. Okay. Well, my point is, if they were supposed to pay you for a certain period of time, and in your case, they probably would have required to give you two years of income. If they didn't pay that, uh, and they stopped paying you that in 2011, you can't go as against the company now because the limitation period has expired. Uh, I thought it was was four years. No, it's two years. 
Oh, well, I see. Okay. If you, in fact, ended up getting less than two years of pay from them, you may have a case against that, uh, your former lawyer if he or she should have protected you better with a written agreement. Uh, but yeah. that's the only recourse you may have in this case, Paul. That's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a lot of time has passed. And remember, there is a two-year limitation period. And I get calls every single day, John, from people saying, oh, my God, Lior, thank you for for talking to me. I heard your show. I'm I'm really uh, interested because I was let go and I didn't get my severance. Well, when was that? That was four years ago, five, seven, ten years ago. Unfortunately, we cannot help. uh, You can't do anything if it's been more than two years. That's why it's very, very important. If you lose your job, get legal advice now because... The, the time is going to pass, and you may be out of time. Lots more to go here. Got another segment, uh, so stick around. Give us a call. The Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We were talking how uh, unfortunate it is that, you know, sometimes people let it, let it lapse times uh, from the severance over two-year period. They don't get their uh, severance because they're out of time, right? Right, and uh, it happens all the time. And people just, why do they do that? They do that because they don't know. They don't know any better, and they don't know that they're, they're entitled to something. Well, John, speaking of knowing things, I think given the fact that we have a bit of a lull here with our calls. Let's Which see is if, even more unfortunate yeah. because now the test will resume. Yes. Let's see if you know a few things uh, more. I mean, you, you got one right and got one wrong. So let's see what, what you do with this one. 50, I'm, I'm at 50% better yeah, than I ever not, did in school. Much better, yes. So let's, uh, let's ask you this one. If an employee gets notice of termination, so they're being told that their employment is going to end at a certain date in the future. Does that employee have to stay until the end, or can they leave and get severance instead? They can leave and get severance instead. You're smiling. No, 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 they can't, John. Please, please forget what John said. Please don't say that Lior said on the radio that we can leave. pretty much forever. (laughs) No. uh, Unfortunately, so when an employee gets noticed, this is what I call working notice. Mm. So they're being told your employment is going to end at a certain date in the future, uh, and you're going to, in the meantime, continue working. If you leave before that date, you're deemed to have resigned. So you're not entitled to severance. What may happen is at the end of that period of time, at the end of that notice, you may still be entitled to severance. So, for example, if you were entitled to 24 months of notice, but you only got 12 months of notice, and after that you're gone, well, the employer owes you another 12 months of payment. So, uh, but if you, don't, if you don't stay till the end, you're resigned and you don't get that severance. There's some exceptions to this, but the general rule is if you uh, get notice, you have to work it. You have to continue doing the, the best you can, business as usual. If you don't, you're deemed to have resigned. And guess what? No severance. Let me, let me ask you this. And I have a friend who uh, works for a doctor. Basically, the secretary does all the work for him. Right. right. Small practice. Been there 27 years. And uh, she said, you know, he's, he's probably, I said, when's he, she's, he's getting older. I said, when's he shutting down the practice? And she says, she says probably in about two years. I said, okay. I said, well, you know, he's, if he's going to give you notice, he's got to give you enough notice because you've been there 27 years. She goes, should I say anything? I said, no. no exactly. Keep your mouth shut. Because Hopefully he comes to you and says, next week you're out of a job. Exactly. Because no, if he says, listen, uh, employee, at some point in the next two years I'm shutting down, that is not valid notice. Nope. Valid notice, number one, has to be uh, in writing. Mm-hmm. And number two, uh, it has to have a specific end date, okay? So it has to, be, uh, has to have a specific end date in mind. It can't say in the next two years. It has to say June 27, 2016. Mm-hmm. That's a specific end date. Uh, so if it does that, then it's notice. So really, if you're an employee, you don't want to get that notice. In reality, you'd probably rather get severance. So, so uh, if, he, if the employer gives notice, fine. I wouldn't be knocking on the no. door asking for notice. Bums the word. All right, next question. Well, Johnny, 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 next question. You've been doing so well. Next question is this. 
<laughs> what happens if a business is sold and an employee loses their job as a result? Does that employee get anything? Business is sold. Uh, they lose, uh, yeah, they should, but it depends if the money is there, right? <laughs> it always depends, I guess, if the money is there. Right? John. Yes, that, that, that is always true. So I can't really, uh, I can't fault you for that uh, answer. See? Yeah, not the answer is necessarily I was looking for, but it's completely <laughs> true. Uh, if uh, thank you, John. So if a business is sold and the employee loses a job as a result, and what I mean by that means that they're not hired on by the buyer, they lose their job. Then yes, that get employee yeah. gets full severance from the company that sold the business, not the company that bought the business, the company that sold the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it, what happens if the employee is offered a position with the buyer? Well, then they continue working, their seniority carries through, and, and there's no termination. If they are offered a job, but they don't want to accept that job with the buyer, they still get severance, but a lot less severance. Right. So that's the rules when it comes to sale of a business. But you are true Thank that you. in order to get compensation from an employer, from anyone really, they have to have the ability to pay because, as you know, the saying goes, you cannot get blood from a stone. So, so that is a, a, a true answer, John, and I, I, I appreciate that. So, so I, I can't fault you. Just so I was right, so everybody knows. Yes. Yeah. Next. Well, <clears throat> uh, one more question, then we'll talk a bit about the severance calculator, John. Uh, uh, let, let's do a quick severance assessment. A yep. five-year employee, so you, uh, you work for five years, senior manager or executive, age of 58, how much severance would that employee get? 58 years old, yep. five years of service, executive. They would get, I would say, about 12 months. Perfect. Thank you. That is excellent. You know what? A year and a half ago, you'd have said like three weeks or something like that. Or so, 18 months. Yeah, or something Settle ridiculous. Settle down with the generosity. So, so 12 months probably would yep. be a fair assessment for this person. Okay. Uh, and again, the age, length of employment, and position, yep. which is a perfect segue, John, to uh, the severance calculator. Uh, ultimately, uh, what we've done is we created the severance calculator, which is available at severancepaycalculator.com, mm-hmm. and it does what the name suggests. It calculates how much severance someone is owed. So you input the length of your employment, your age, and the type of job, and it tells you right there how much severance you're, you should be getting, whether you've lost your job or you've always wondered what would happen if I lose my job. Uh, severancepaycalculator.com, it's neat. Or there's an app that you can download on iPhone, iPad, and Android, uh, the severance calculator. So I encourage everyone to, to go to severancepaycalculator.com, calculate your own severance, do what just John did off the top of his head, except you. you won't have to do it off the top of your head. Josh, you get the uh, last call. How are you? Go ahead. Good. How are you? Good, man. Um, I got a question. Okay, so I'm currently working for a security company, but they're about to take over contracts from another security company. Yes. And the security company that I work for wants me to do things one way, and the security company that uh, I was taking that we're taking all the contracts for the the paperwork hasn't went through yet, so I'm currently still working for the other company. I'm doing jobs and tasks that I wasn't hired to do. Now, if I don't do those tasks, can they still fire me? Well, they can always let you go, Josh, as long as as they pay severance. So, yes, could they say, well, we wanted you to do this, you didn't, so we're going to let you go? Yes, that would be a termination without cause, which means you're going to get severance based on the length of your employment, your age, and your position. To avoid that situation, to avoid a situation where you're let go, because you don't want to lose your job, even if you do get severance, presumably, is I would uh, confirm with the company and do this in writing, send an email maybe to, to the new boss and the old boss and, and, and identify the issue. I'm getting conflicting instructions here. Who should I be taking instructions from? What is my job responsibility? Please outline that for me. 
Because if you do that and, and you still keep getting uh, the runaround and, and conflicting instructions and uh, duties beyond what you're hired to do, well, at that point, you actually may be able to leave. That could be a constructive dismissal if you're, if you're being you know, thrown around from side to side that way. So I would encourage you to contact them in writing, email is fine, and have them put them on the spot. Have them tell you who you're taking instructions from, what is your job, and certainly if they do let you go, we need to talk about that to make sure that you get proper severance. And that is 416-216-5900. We are done for another week, my friend. I did what, 60%, 60 out of 100? Not bad. Better than last time, John. Way to go. Better than my entire school career. (laughs) Good job. Education kills by degrees. We'll do it again next week in the Employment Hour Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.